to another episode of Foodie Plant Mamas. I am one of your hosts, Leah Nicole. And I'm Danny B. And Danny B, how have you been? What's going on? I am doing okay. Just working like a nine to five has proven to be like, not for me. (laughs) And it's not even that I haven't worked full time before. I think it's just a traditional full-time nine-to-five where you work five days a week and you're you only have two off days it's actually like wretched so I'm doing my best how about you I completely under I remember the first time I worked a full-time job I was like never again (laughs) and I only worked part-time since then but um I I'm making it recently I went uh to the hair stylist so now I'm blonde I'm so happy about it (laughs) yeah it looks good thank you (laughs) um but other than that I have had like a few health scares so (sighs) other than that I'm still here you know I'm still here so speaking of which Daddy B what are you feeling grateful for today I am grateful to be here and I'm grateful for my friends you know I'm I'm dealing with the loss of a friend right now but I'm reminded how much the people currently still present in my life um love me uh, so that has been helping me so I'm really thankful for that I'm thankful that I have these people in my corner through the grief <laughs> And I, I'm also grateful um, to be alive right now. It's just like, it's a scary time. I think um, every day I hear like something bad is going on, but I'm just, I'm grateful to be here. I'm grateful to be doing the work that we're doing. And I'm grateful that I get to see another day. Love it. <laughs> well, <laughs> so today I wanted to discuss altars. A few months ago, I want to say a few months ago, it might have been less than a few months ago, maybe a few weeks, Heslove, who is a hoodoo and spiritualist that we've had on the podcast during our Writing the Spirit uh, season, they were tweeting and discussing altars um, and how they can look different for everyone. And they were uh, discussing it in the context of a family member that has an altar um, that wouldn't necessarily be seen as a traditional altar. This tweet thread that I wanted to highlight um, that really inspired me to want to have this conversation was when they said, an ancestral altar is not always going to have pictures, water, and candles on it. An altar is a dedicated space with items set up in connection to something. 
The items are significant as they are things our departed either had, liked, or instructed us to get. I feel like I saw them tweeting about this at just the right time. Um, as of now, I don't currently have an active altar. Some of that is because I literally just moved into a new space, so certain things are just kind of still packed up. But the other reason is because I started to feel um, disconnected from the previous way I had set up my altar. It started to feel like forced and kind of performative. So before we get into that discussion of like, thinking about alternative ways to have an altar, I really wanted to get back to that example they used. Have you, do you, can you think of like altars that your family members have had that they may not have called altars? I think that like the clearest example is probably like when someone dies and people set up little things at their gravesite. I think that's probably the clearest example of an altar. But also in my grandma's kitchen, so it's the house that she grew up in. So my grandma has a picture of her mother in that same kitchen, in the kitchen. So that's probably the only thing that I can think of that's like paying um, reverence to an ancestor. Outside of my family, I know that there was an altar at our church And I'm not sure if it's like all churches or if it's just black churches, because I remember when I wrote a piece a couple years ago about gospel music and I mentioned an altar call, the editor was like, I have no idea what an altar call is. So I'm not sure if every church does this or if it's just um, black churches, but there's this table in front of the pulpit where they will place communion. Um, It's also where they sit the ties and offering collection plates. And then sometimes around like holidays, they'll have bouquets there. And so at the end of service, everyone goes there and they pray and they, and that's where you do the benediction. So yeah, I wasn't sure if like all churches have that or if it's like a hoodoo tradition that's in the black church, but yeah, I can think of altars being in the church as well. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that because we had an altar too. And I remember when I was younger, I got in trouble. I don't know what we're doing. You know how like after church you're playing around and stuff. And I was like leaning on the table and my, and my grandma or somebody was like, you don't, you don't do that. Like it was, it was serious business to be leaning on or touching that table. We also couldn't go into the pulpit. The pulpit was considered like sacred. Um, unless you were in the choir part, like the part where the preacher be at, that's a no-no, even if it's after church. So, yeah. Yeah, I was an usher and even I had to like corner myself because I had to put the water and stuff up there for the pastor. So I had to like corner myself so I didn't go behind the pulpit. And so I was like, okay, it's a whole thing. <laughs> mm-hmm, very extra. But yeah, we had those rules too. Uh, So for me, I'll say... My grandmother, well, I I can think of several relatives that I've kind of, if I think back, I can observe observe something that could be considered an altar. But for my grandma, there was this Bible and it had a little dried up flower inside of it that she kept on a table in the living room. And I had been seeing that Bible like for the longest for years. Um, And then one day when I was just being nosy, because sometimes I just get into the mood to start digging around looking at photo albums and family stuff. And I asked her like, oh, um, 
is this your mama's Bible or something? And she was like, no, it's mine. And that flower that I put in, it was from her funeral. And I thought that was really interesting. She did not like me messing with it, but I, I thought it was, you know, sweet that she saved that her mom died in the late eighties. And that little flower thingy, I mean, it's clearly dead and dried up, but it's intact. And it's inside that Bible that I guess she took to the funeral with her. Um, And to me, I just feel like that's an example of this is an item, two items that are really important to you. Um, And in some way, whether she explicitly says it or not, it's something sacred in honor of your mother, in honor of her mother, in honor of my great grandmother. So I think it's important to have discussions about alternative ways of thinking about an altar that are not just what we see on social media. Because I've been on this spiritual journey for like a decade, really, like intentionally. And I still have to like, you know, pause sometimes because I'm internalizing stuff that don't got nothing to do with me or my ancestors. So as I think through ways to reconnect with my altar, I've been revisiting some of my past readings, some of which we've either discussed on here or on the Patreon. And one thing that came up several times is I need to go back to something I enjoyed in childhood. Um, and I also get a lot about writing and divination. Something related to divination always comes up. So a part of me has been wondering if maybe my ancestors want me to create an altar as like a writing station um, where I have like a notebook or something exclusively for them. And then that's how I communicate because writing is how I best communicate when I'm, <laughs> when I'm having an issue with a friend or whatever, or I need to communicate something that's difficult for me to talk about. Usually I just write a letter. Like that's just always been how I am. Um, so I think that would really make sense for me. So yeah. What about you, Leah? Have you had any shifts on how you approach your altar? Has your altar changed from when you first built it to now? Yes, it has. But first, I do want to talk about what you are talking about. I have also had a reading where I was told to like set up the altar and just write. So I think it is very much. I think writing is a tool of divination. And I think that that is something you should be pursuing. <laughs> Yeah, it's so funny because it was actually as I was preparing for this episode that that came to me and I was like, maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Like I need to set it up that way and stop trying to do what I think is the right way and just do what feels right and what feels aligned with what my ancestors need from me. Writing in the hoodoo tradition. <laughs> I mean, basically... <laughs> Um, but to answer your question, uh, I have definitely changed up the way that I approach my altar. It's still set up pretty much the same. And back in the day, I used to go to it very consistently, especially at the start of the pandemic. And now I probably go maybe once or once a week or once every two weeks. And something that has helped me to feel less guilty about that is I was listening to this episode of a little Juju podcast a few, maybe it was a couple months ago from now. Um, she had a guest whose name was JT Perry, who was talking about disability. And something she said was that spirit was eternal. 
And I think like part of my guilt around not consistently engaging with the altar is due to like evangelical Christianity and being taught like if you do not worship consistently, you'll be punished for it. You will be punished with hell. But but listening to that and hearing that spirit is eternal, it helped me to realize like that energy is always there for us to tap into. There's nothing to feel guilty about. If we don't have time for it, spirit definitely understands it will always be there. And maybe at that time it's better to prioritize ourselves. And then when we're in a better place, then we can be like, okay, now I can engage with spirit. And so for me, I have been searching for different ways of kind of engaging with spirit. I know earlier this year when it was cooler outside, it's been way too hot this summer, but when it was cooler outside, I would uh, go to my local park and I would sit and just like talk with the trees and with the water and I would journal and it really did help me feel connected and it helped me. I think we talked about this in our last season. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> okay. But yeah, and, and I, I started talking about this on Patreon as well, about thinking of other ways to engage with spirit that's not just a physical altar. That's like the trees or the wind or the water. Yeah, just a lot of alternative ways of engaging. Yeah, and I think in general, um, people forget that whatever your spiritual practice is, it's not always going to look like everybody else's. And I know some practices have rules and procedures and all of that, but I'm not necessarily talking about that. I'm talking about like the performance of it. Um, So for instance, like we only see what people post. And I think that some people, whether it's intentional or not, they will have you to believe that suddenly life is just perfect once they get initiated or once they build their like elaborate altar. When I think about my journey, there's been so many beautiful moments. Like since I reclaimed hoodoo and like developed this relationship with my ancestors, I don't even look at the world the same anymore. Like certain things that used to bother me don't. I talk about being scared of spirits and stuff, but Also, like, I'm probably not gonna, like, I just don't think about spirits and ghosts uh, or anything in the same way. I I don't have the negative connotations with it anymore, although I do think that restless um, spirits exist. But there's also been, like, you know, really terrible times, like right now (laughs) in my life where so much change is happening and... I'm in a transitional period. When you start to grow and elevate in whatever way you're trying to elevate is not comfortable. If someone tells you that it's comfortable, I'm going to say they lying. You know what I mean? Even if you want what's happening in your life, change is really hard. And what's been happening for me that I've had to like reckon with currently is that Over the past few years, I've been praying and asking and speaking all of these different things over my life, you know, remove anybody who doesn't have a place in my life or doesn't mean me well, reveal folks to me that don't mean me well, put me in a place or a career, a job that is aligned with my highest good, all of this different stuff. And so now all of that is unfolding and it's so uncomfortable. Like it's so much loss and grief and inner child work that I'm having to do. 
Um, but that's the work. It's like, it's beautiful. It's transformative, but it's also really fucking hard and it can make you feel like giving up. And so the whole thing with the altar and people being so black and white about it or making you feel like it is the step to like pure perfection and everything is good and spirit and my ancestors got me like yeah your ancestors got you but there's so much work that's required of you that you have to do and you have to listen and stop listening to people on the internet who ain't got nothing to do with you who are not a part of your lineage so leah now that i don't finish my rant what have you learned on your spiritual journey or hoodoo journey that no one really prepared you for or that like surprised you? I think a lot of what you just said, like I had to acknowledge a lot of uncomfortable things about myself, about my beliefs, about the ways that I was walking in the world. I actually saw this tweet um, recently that was calling out a bunch of spiritualists. It's kind of similar to what you were saying because they are like, oh, you know, I'm a spiritual person. All these people have wronged me. I'm going to leave them, blah, blah, blah. But this person was arguing, like, if you were truly like on this spiritual path, you would know and you would acknowledge your own, the ways that you were involved in the way that things happen. You are not this perfect victim and who has had all these bad things happen to you. Sometimes you hurt other people and sometimes you were part of that harm. And that was something that I had to acknowledge. It wasn't like, oh my God, all these people are bad and I'm good. And everyone who's done me wrong is uh, a bad person. It was like, no, there were things that I overlooked. There were things that I participated in. There were ways that I harmed other people that I had to acknowledge, that I had to work through, that I'm still working through. I think something that I am learning recently is how often I was walking in bad faith. I was operating in bad faith. And what I mean by that is like, so often when I would think about something that wasn't, I'll say that wasn't Christianity because that was pretty much what I was taught and what I grew up around. I always saw the worst in it. Something like hoodoo or voodoo, it was always like, oh, these people are only trying to cast spells on you. Something like um, astrology was like the worst things that can happen, like Mercury retrogrades and how people view those as universally bad. And they aren't. Um, But it was always like these other types of beliefs can only be bad or harmful to me. It can never be good. And I think in this spiritual journey, it has been me acknowledging that, yes, some negative things can come from being a hoodoo, but a lot of positive things can come from it too. A lot of healing can come from it too. Yes, astrology may like foreshadow something bad, but it can also be used for my good as well. And so it's acknowledging that while some things may not be the best for me, I can still use them for the good in my life. I wanted to follow up on what you were talking about with how we harm people because I'm just thinking about some of my shadow work and and maybe this is not true for everybody, but let's start with how sometimes the shadow will literally come out of you and start controlling your life. The worst side of you coming out where you are mistreating people or talking to people crazy or lashing out and being like not rational 
projecting. That was me this past year, always assuming that somebody was, you're, this person is out to get me or these people don't like me or this, that, and the other. And it's like, no, you don't like yourself. And that has been a part of my shadow work and my inner child work is like, where the hell is this coming from? Like, what is the root of this? And why are you so distracted by it? That has been, that's, that's the spiritual work. Like that's the stuff that once you, once it's like, okay, I'm, I've, I've undone all of these problematic beliefs I have about ancestral veneration. I'm reclaiming all of these things from my lineage. We have responsibility to ourselves and our lineage and that's to heal. Like, and not in like a way where, oh, I'm, I'm I'm completely healed. I'm I'm saying this is like ongoing. We have so much work to do and it is not fun all the time. Even this whole thing with the whole discussion about figuring out the best way, a way that is aligned with you and your needs and how you communicate um as far as your altar. I probably should have been writing directly to my ancestors. That has always been the way that I communicated when I really want to be vulnerable. It's really hard for me to be vulnerable when when I take that risk, it's usually in writing. And I think that has probably been the, a major block because I'm sitting here and I don't know what to say, but I think I just don't know how to say it. So yeah, you learn so much about yourself. There's so much undoing, there's so much grief. And again, it can be beautiful as much as it is like really fucking like not fun. <laughs> So, yeah. Did you have any other thoughts before we take a break? Yes, I definitely agree. And I think that's part of what I was saying when I was talking about walking in bad faith. It's just always assuming the worst of everybody around you and never assuming the best. And that's something that I've been trying to do more of. And I think a lot of it is because in the past, I saw everything as black and white. Like, I'm good. Y'all are bad. Not so much seeing the nuance of like, no, I I fucked up too. Both of us have fucked up. And now it's me recognizing that like, nobody's going to be perfect. I need to quit putting expectations on a lot of people's behaviors. Life is fucking hard right now for everybody. And just accept that the, the fantasy that I have of how my life is supposed to be, how everyone's supposed to act and and how we're all supposed to get along it's just not gonna happen I can get the best that someone has and it's still not meet up to my fantasy but that doesn't mean it's bad you know yes holding people to unrealistic and unfair expectations I have been a perpetrator of that and then (laughs) when it happens to me it's like oh oh so now you see so (laughs) (laughs) yes I, I completely relate to that Well, um, I guess we could go ahead and take a break and then come back later. Thank y'all for tuning in to our show. If you want to support us, you can rate and review us on Spotify and and Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at Hoodoo Plants and Instagram at Hoodoo Plant Mamas. 
You can always find us on Patreon where we share exclusive monthly mini-sodes. We now have one $3 all-access Patreon tier, which includes a mini-sode, newsletter, and plant content. We have a new patron, Miguel. Thank you, Miguel, for joining us. Yes, thank you, Miguel. If you prefer a one-time donation, you can hit us up on Cash App, Cash Tag Mamas, or our PayPal, Mamas at gmail.com. Let's get back to the show. So I want to spend the second half of the show um, talking about offerings that you can give at your altar, whichever way you want to, whichever kind of altar you want to have. The reason we give offerings is to venerate our ancestors. We exchange the energy it took to make or buy the food with our ancestors in return. They use that energy to do work for us. So Danny, I'm interested to know if there are any offerings that you give your ancestors that they absolutely love. Um, well, in 2020, when the pandemic first started, I was going to my altar daily. And one thing that I kept on my altar at all times was coffee. I sit there with my own cup and drink and listen to gospel music. And then other offerings that I've given or been called to give have been like roses. There was this rose bush outside of the apartment I was living at at the time that they literally cut. They killed. I don't know why. Um, but I would bring them roses in sometimes. I also would sometimes cook myself a traditional like Sunday dinner. um, And I would always fix them a plate. And then sometimes just like random sweet things that I had around the house. And of course, money. Money is another one. I think the two most common offerings that I was commonly called to give was coffee and money. I think for me, it is soul food, like Sunday dinner, basically. Uh, I vividly remember like one time I had made greens, yams, and I want to say maybe mac and cheese, um, definitely cornbread. And so I put it on my altar and I remember that night I had a dream where this lady was talking to me and she was like, you know, your ancestors are so proud of you. I'm like, oh my God. But I don't know if it was the offering or if it was like everything else that I've done, but it did make me feel really good. Other offerings I've given have been like, corn I had a dream about corn it was like in three different ways (laughs) it was like fried corn and then cornbread and then a fresh cob of corn and I was like I really think I need to put corn on my altar (laughs) also like you said other sweet things like I've had cravings for cakes and pies and it will be something old I've even had my grandma Cause I had a really bad craving for German chocolate cake. So I had my grandma ship me, make and ship me a German chocolate cake that I then put on my altar. <laughs> but yeah, that's another thing. If you have like cravings for stuff, that could be a sign that your ancestors want you to give that to them in an offering. So one of my favorite stories that I have about offerings is that I volunteer with kids and one of them, he's a four-year-old and we were at the park one day this summer and it's hot outside. So I always bring a cooler with us. And then one day he was drinking his water and he poured some on the ground. And so I asked him why. And he said his little brother asked for some water. And so his little brother died a few years ago from SIDS. I asked him who taught him how to do that. And he was like, 
no one. My brother asked for water and I gave him some. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and it was just making me think like, wow, this little kid knows all about libations. He don't know what libations is. No one ever taught him. But he was just like, my brother asked me for some water. So I poured some water on the ground for my little brother. And it, it just really blew my mind. But it also kind of affirmed to me that the offerings we give aren't in vain. Like these offerings are recognized and that it is a mutual exchange with our dead people. So not his brother hanging around still. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. I bet he'd be making a mess at home and be getting in trouble because he pouring juice out and stuff or leaving cookies. I don't think he's <laughs> pouring juice on the ground, like in the house, maybe okay. outside. Yeah. <laughs> but that is so beautiful. That's I sweet. know. <laughs> So I was wondering, have you ever had any experiences like that where you saw someone venerate the dead or give offerings to their ancestors out in the real world? I have a vague memory. And listen, I'm one of them people when they have the little Black Hood movie list where I've probably seen like 90% of them. So I may be conflicting this with a fucking movie. But I feel like as a child, I witnessed folks leave things in the coffin at funerals I feel like I went to at least one funeral it was a younger person um where people left stuff in the coffin for them as they were walking around but as I said before about this possibly being from a movie but I don't I don't think it's from a movie I think that actually happened but there are many examples in black movies of people doing that pouring liquor out for the dead I don't know if you've seen the movies where the homie dies and whatever, and they put leaving a gun on on them in the casket or throwing it into the, you know, at, onto the grave. Even like in general, like street court, street corner altars, which I, I've talked about in the first episode, actually, um, our first episode of the entire podcast. People have been making those kind of altars for I don't know how long, for as long as I've been alive. I guess another example I can think of related to my family is my grandma would randomly mention, oh, I need to go put some fresh flowers on mama's grave, or I need to do this. And sometimes my cousins would even do that. Like on on her birthday, on my great grandma's birthday, they would go take her flowers and leave stuff on her grave. To me, that is the same thing. That is the same thing. So I think... Not even just Black people, but we we talking about Black people. Venerating ancestors, creating altars, like that's just always been a thing for us culturally. Nobody, people don't like calling it that, right? People don't like calling, you know, that table in your auntie's house where all of the mostly dead relatives, pictures of them are just sitting on. Or some old antique stuff just random stuff I had a aunt she kept jewelry all over her her dresser like jewelry and perfume I don't know when I think back on it that feels like it was an altar because you was not allowed to go on her dresser okay unless you wanted to get slapped so (laughs) yeah I just think culturally this is just us like it's in our bones it's in our blood you know what I mean so yeah I love that you brought up street corner altars because it reminded me of the altars that people have on the highways. 
And I don't know, maybe they are fake flowers, but they always look so like fresh and stuff. So I'm pretty sure someone's going and fixing it up and and stuff like that. Um, But as I mentioned earlier, church has altars. They also have offerings in the form of money. So, you know, tithes were mandatory and then offerings were what you give on top of tithes. And so I know, like you said, you can leave offerings for your ancestors on your altar I don't know how you dispose of it. I heard that you can either give the money away to unhoused people or you can burn it. And so for me, I just give the money away. (laughs) I'm sorry, but I don't think I've ever done that. I'd be using it. Oh, (laughs) no, like I have never felt. And my thing is, I always probably to my detriment it's really hard for me if I got it to say no if somebody on the street is asking me for money. Um, And if I don't got it and they want some food, I'm like, listen, I ain't got it, but I can get you some food. So I guess that's just me with my own money. So with my money on my altar, like when I was really down, if I'm really down bad, I use it. Yeah. It's almost like a safety net, but I always you know, would replenish or something or, you know, it. I kept some form of money, coins, dollars, that kind of thing on my altar. But the dollars that was on there, I mean, the altar isn't set up anymore. It's packed up right now, but all them dollars gone. Yeah. They knew I needed it. <laughs> I, I actually did get the money off my altar and I donated it a couple months ago. So, um, but speaking of money, Something that I remembered was like a tradition we had uh, when I was younger, where if it was someone's birthday, you would give them money and they would put it on their clothes. So I was kind of wondering if that counted as an offering as well, because it's not something that we give to our ancestors, but something that we give to each other. I thought that was such an interesting point. And yes, that is such a black thing. Like, and it's so funny because sometimes it's like ridiculous. Like sometimes it's like you really walking around like this, like your whole chest is covered right now. Yeah, I believe that that's probably something, even though it's not like an ancestral offering, I believe that it's something we inherited. Like I think there's something to it. I saw this video um, where this girl was taking her graduation pictures and this other black woman who didn't know her just came up and handed her a 20 for graduating yeah graduating especially from high school Dang, i think she was got, she was a, like a college graduate oh well mm-hmm. high school graduate i got so much money i think i got a nice chunk of money when i graduated college too yeah no i'm sure there's somebody who's written about this or there's some video we don't know about where people t- talking about the origins of pinning money to your um to your clothes but yeah, no, I, I really love that. I think that is definitely some stuff that just got passed down. And it's probably something to it. It's probably some juju to it or something like <laughs> keeping that money, stick the money to you so it could stay like glue or some shit. <laughs> Baby. Oh, I in that same vein, I was kind of also thinking about the ways that we give food to each other, especially after death or during a sickness. And so, yeah, I think not only was I thinking about like the way that we offer things to the dead, but we also offer things to the living as well. Yes. 
somebody died, like, I'll never forget one of my family members had talked about, like, how she didn't have to cook for, like, weeks. People just kept bringing food. Somebody had died. Also, when I was sick, after I got my surgery, people brought me food to my house. So, yeah, I definitely agree with that. We, But that's how it should be. That's the thing, like, in some ways, this practice of ancestor veneration, offering, and that kind of thing, like, that's community stuff that we should be doing. We should be feeding each other. Uh, we should be giving each other what we need, what you know, what they need, clothes and housing and all of that. When I think about it right now, like if your ancestor work and your spiritual work is just all about what you get in, what you can receive, or you only giving stuff to, you know, you, you have this energy of I'm giving my ancestors all this stuff so I can have all of this, you know, rich, richness and wealth. I don't know. I don't think that's, I think that's bad business. You know what I mean? There should be, you should be learning something about this energy exchange and how you should be paying that forward in your community. A lot of our ancestors were taking care of each other. So many women in my family in the gen, the couple of generations ahead of me, they took care of some of everybody kids. I didn't find out until I was an adult that half the people that I be thinking my cousins or that are my cousins but apparently the person that raised them ain't they mama. It's actually like an aunt or just some lady that was their next door neighbor. That is, that's something that you, we inherited. And if you, if that's not something that you come to during your spiritual practice, I don't know what to tell you. We ain't going to get free until we take, start taking care of each other. I guess towards the end, what I was really getting into was this idea of community offerings and what can we offer each other while we're all still alive? And I do love your point about the work that we should do for the altar should not only serve us, but it should serve other people as well. But I also like, I do want to push back on that a little bit because I think when you were talking about your writing, I do think in the same way that you can write to help inspire, educate, whatever other people you can also write for yourself and you can also write in a way that is only between you you and your ancestors you and god um instead of giving everything that you have to other people so it's a balance really of what can you and your ancestors give to each other and then mm -hmm. what can you and your ancestors give to your community yeah no i agree i'm i think i was thinking about and other people have talked about this other like spiritualists on their podcasts and stuff like that when you start in the capitalism the mm -hmm. internalizing capitalism and then putting that into your spiritual work where it's all about riches and abundance and having this like lavish life and there's nothing wrong with that like there's a certain type of life I picture for myself that I desire that is bright and lush and I'm wearing all the beautiful colorful clothes that I ever want to wear. Like, so I'm not even trying to talk like I'm above that, but I'm saying if that's the sole purpose without a single thought about the ways that you can help and take care of your community in the same way that your ancestors took care of their communities, then I don't know. I 
people can do whatever they want, but I'm saying, I just, I think it's weird. I think it's weird and I think it's unhelpful. And I think you can have all those things and desire it while also desiring like, you know, all of our freedoms and liberation and all that good stuff. All of it is connected. Like all of it's connected. And so, yeah, we just can't be chasing wealth and luxury all the fucking time. Like you can have it, but if that's all you care about, it don't make sense. It don't make sense to me. But yeah, I agree with you. There definitely has to be balance. I'm definitely working on the whole, like sometimes writing is just for you. That's actually something where I I wrote some things, a couple of things that I was going to release on my newsletter where I said, this doesn't feel like this is supposed to be consumed by the public. <laughs> so I didn't release it. I didn't release it and I haven't, now that I've accepted it, I'm like, you know what? I was just supposed to get that out. I was just supposed to write that and it's for me and all the spirits and stuff that's around me that watch me write it. <laughs> so, yeah. Something that like gets, and I, I guess that's part of what doing this practice has kind of taught me. Cause when I was younger, I was very much like, I need to make a certain income. I need to live my life a certain way. And it was very much centered around how much money am I going to make? Because I thought the best thing that I could do for me, not only for me, but for my family was to make a lot of money. That's what I've always been taught. That's what I thought I needed. And so it's it's through this process that I'm kind of seeing the ways that money is fake. <laughs> um and and wealth is fake. It it can really affect our lives in a way, but the hole that money has on people isn't healthy in the ways that people worship money isn't healthy. And while yes, I can look at money to be like a certain amount of money will make me comfortable, will help me not stress out about um, having lights and water and food. I can also acknowledge that there's a such thing as too much money. There's a such thing as like devoting myself more to money than to other things that are more important for my well-being. And so that is something that I have had to shift and and really ask myself a lot of times, especially when I want money, it's like, why do I want money? Do I want money just to go buy something I don't really need? Do I actually need money to survive? Like, why do I want money? I also want to say with the whole capitalism and stuff, one thing that I think I have had to work through over the last few years and probably why I've been struggling is because I have been that person consumed with money and not in the not in the way that I had so much that's all I cared about in the way that I needed I needed that's all I think about every single problem I have I think about how money could fix it and I think what makes me so and I still struggle with that although I'm getting better and I think what makes me so mad is that you know it's fake like I know some people will say like, oh, it's easy to say it's not real when you got it. No, I don't have it. And it also pisses me off because it's fake. I think about the fact that we have to pay for food. Price of food is skyrocketing. We have to pay for housing. You know what I mean? Things that shouldn't be a luxury are a luxury. And then I think about the amount of homelessness, you know? And so 
I am one of those people. I don't know what it is. Anytime I've had to walk through or drive through, not literally driving in the passenger side, of course, a highly concentrated um, like houselessness community, I feel it in my body. Like it's so fucking uncomfortable. Like, like a wave of just heaviness. Like I, it just feels sick that this is our world. You know what I mean? And most of us are closer to being there than we are to being a fucking billionaire or a millionaire. You know, that's how capitalism wins because a lot of people don't feel that way. A lot of people think that they, everybody think they gonna have that meeting, that dinner with Jay-Z and that's gonna be their foot in the door to their billions or reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which is another <laughs> conversation. <laughs> I think for me, the most depressing part of it all, because I was thinking about not just humans, but it's like the entire globe. All of these species are dying because of like 500 people. Elephants are tired of our shit. And I'm sorry, but like, that's when I really, like I've been concerned, but once I saw that elephants are getting pissed off, now I know y'all taking it too far. (laughs) (laughs) When an elephant killed that woman? And then came to her funeral. The worst, best thing about that, because a part of me was like, I don't know, this feels fucked up, man. But everybody was taking the elephant side. Yeah, because the elephant was right. <laughs> elephants literally don't be messing with nobody. Like, they are the epitome of minding your own business. Like, don't start none. <laughs> Won't be none. Like, they're gentle giants. And, but they are along with so many other animals they always having to worry about poachers and why y'all just can't leave these folks alone you know what i mean the elephants gonna be the ones that's gonna stump our asses out and i'ma just i'ma just lay down like i'm not gonna fight you i deserve it (laughs) (laughs) oh i think for me just to wrap everything up i think i the process of having an altar, the process of engaging with spirits has kind of just helped me to know when enough is enough to kind of help me live a life in moderation, live a life of gratitude, live a life of small pleasures and not get so greedy, you know, not just look at the world and be like, well, so-and-so has that, so I need to have it. And it's like really asking myself, do you really need these things? Do you really want to be this type of person? Do you really want to do these things? And just trying to carve out what's the best life for me and live in a way that is intentional, that is honorable, and that I make the best use of every day that I have on this earth. Amen. My last thing is I know the gov- I know the feds got got us on the main line because one thing about <laughs> us we gonna fucking talk about capitalism and we gonna say get rid of it like. And almost every episode it comes up, it's to the point where I know they listen. They like, I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for them to slip up. They gonna say the wrong, the wrong thing one of these days. <sighs> we ain't gonna stop. So y'all keep listening. I'm talking to the feds right now, but y'all also keep listening. Thanks for being here. Um, if you like this episode, you can like, rate, and review Hoodoo Plant Mamas on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Wiley Gishi, 
left the review and said, I'm loving listening to these two insightful spiritual women. They're rich in wisdom. Thank you. (laughs) I heard that. (laughs) Thank you, Wiley. Um, If anything from this show resonated with you, make sure to share it with us on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Hoodoo Plants and Instagram at Hoodoo Plant Mamas. Stay tuned for our next episode, y'all. Bye. Bye.